0: Nailers Natter, just talking to teachers. Talking to teachers about academic research and evidence-based practice with continuing professional development, at PNA1977 on Twitter. Nailers Natter, just talking to
1: teachers. Nailers
0: Natter, just talking to teachers. Okay, so hello Harry and welcome to Nailers Natter. Hello Phil. Right. Thank you very much for doing this. We always like to kind of timestamp these and give you an indication of the teacher's life. So Harry has kindly volunteered to do this on a Friday afternoon after a busy day at school. So we really are at the heart of teaching uh, this afternoon. So, yeah, thanks again, Harry. We're just going to do the gentle introductory question that we do for all of our guests. So can you just tell listeners a little bit about you and your journey in education to this point?
1: Right. Yeah. So um, I'm uh, Harry Hudson. I'm now a a history teacher um, at a state secondary in West London. Um, I started my career actually as a as a TA. Um, I worked as a TA for two years with children uh, with special educational needs at a school in Oxford, um, while I was kind of deciding after university what I wanted to do. Um, and I decided that I did actually want to want to join the profession. So I then trained at the Oxfordshire Skit. Uh, and I'm now, uh, as I say, I'm now working full time uh, in London. And on the side I do, over the last couple of years, I've started doing a bit of writing uh, about education and, and various things uh, as well, um, and then most recently, that's that's sort of come out as as this book, which has just come out.
0: Absolutely, and the book is called "Must Do Better," which is a great title, Harry, as well. Really eye-catching title for a great book. Uh, And listeners, I'm privileged to have been given a a sort of an earlier copy of this, although the book is out now, Um, so you are able to get your hands on it. And you're seeing a few pictures, aren't you, on your social media of people with the book in hand, ready to read. So, uh, listen, I, I couldn't put this one down. I put through. I went straight through this one. And really, really enjoy it. So, I've got a lot of questions about it. I guess the big question to start off with, Harry, and it's one that I put to the Twitter followers on Nailers Natta's uh, page this week, was Do you think teaching has an image problem?
1: I think uh, undoubtedly yes. Um, and you probably won't be surprised to hear me say that. And what's been interesting actually is when I was researching the book and when I was writing it, and since I've had it um, published and I've been talking to various people about it. I haven't heard anyone disagree with that, actually, Phil. I, everyone I've spoken to has said, yeah, this is a problem. And to be honest, this has always been a problem. Um, and that—that that is kind of what initially pushed me into writing the book as well. I, I would talk about teaching and particularly when I was at university, I talked to my my peers then about the prospect of teaching. And everyone agreed that, yeah, teaching has this problem. And there was always this like sort of shoulder sh- uh, shrugging, sort of thus it ever was, uh, teaching's always got this image problem, and it always will. And I got so fed up with that <laughs> that I thought, uh, why not write a book about it um, and sort of challenge it and suggest how do we how do we overcome uh, this this t- this image problem that teaching has got?
0: Yeah, and I mean, in terms of that image problem, um, and you unpick this, don't you, in the early chapters of the book? Yeah. Where do you think that this image problem comes from?
1: Well, I think it's got I think it's got lots of um, causes, to be honest. And I, th- the, I mean, the problem itself is this idea that that teaching kind of isn't isn't on the par isn't on a par with other professions. It's it's kind of seen as a bit of a fallback option. That that old phrase that um, those who can do, those who can't teach, which I'm sure we've all heard uh, trotted out to us in the in the past. Um, and this idea that it's it's not really sort of a professional profession like the way medicine is or law or uh, engineering or um, architecture all these other professions which are of equal if not kind of lesser societal importance than teaching, yet teaching doesn't kind of get the respect the the status as a profession that it deserves within society, and I think that's that's well as I say lots of reasons there to, to unpick. It's got a lot to do with the past. Um, and it's got a lot to do with, I think, the fact that kind of everyone has been to school, everyone's seen teaching, uh, and therefore they kind of think they know what teaching is.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I'll tell you what I enjoyed of those early chapters was the way that you kind of unpicked um, society's impression of education through literature. So, I know, I can't claim for the listeners to be extremely well-read, although, Harry, be pleased, uh, in this bedroom-slash-office here, I've got some pictures on the wall which you can't see. So to remind me that I must do more writing, because I do try and do a bit, I've got a Dickens portrait here, and I've got an Orwell one over there. Everyone knows my obsession with Orwell. So the reason I mention that is because, you know, in Dickens novels particularly, you know, there are quite a few caricatures of... Um, educators and education. So how? what kind of role do we think that literature had to play in the current image problem that you think teaching has?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because obviously literature both kind of reflects what is going on at the the time of the society in which it was written but it also helps to sort of inform opinion and and yeah sort of um guide the way that the public think about something so we took dickens as an example um and that all of the teachers in dickens obviously dickens this big powerhouse kind of 19th century author arguably the most famous author of the day and still so widely read today nearly all of the teachers who crop up in dickens uh, are portrayed negatively in one way or another. So they're either the kind of the evil villain, sort of the Wackford Squeers type. Um, many people have still still heard of Do the Boys Hall, that kind of uh, pit of a terrible, you know, everything that's wrong with with schools. Um, or then you've got the kind of Thomas Gradgrind, the kind of facts, facts, facts. Or then at the other end, you've got the sort of those helpless teachers who are there and they're just kind of um, they're a bit apathetic about life. They're doing it because they don't really know what else they want to do uh, and they don't they don't enjoy it. And it's all just a bit rubbish. So Dickens is kind of full of these these teachers who don't uh, present a particularly good image of the profession. And again, we kind of started with Dickens, but the more we thought about it and the more we thought through the kind of the great classical authors, the harder we found it actually to find positive images of teaching in kind of the great canon of literature. Because if you look in uh, kind of authors um, of a similar time, a little bit earlier, Jane Austen, Anthony Trollope, these sort of authors, you see a lot of the attitude um, of, of sort of condescension towards educators. Now, normally at that time, the kind of the institution of the school hasn't hasn't quite got going yet, but sort of the attitude towards the governess, for instance, is looked very very much looked down upon uh, as a profession, and that kind of continues through literature into authors like uh, Evelyn Waugh um, and more modern authors in the twenty first century, and even into the twenty first uh, sorry the twentieth century, and even into the twenty first century. And we found it hard actually to to find examples of really unequivocally positive uh, teachers. In, in literature. And I mean, you can extend that to film as well. Um, it, it's really interesting um, that the kind of our, our attitude should be guided by this, but also it's, it's kind of a reflection of what is going wrong with our attitudes to teaching uh, in the UK. Definitely.
0: And in terms of, you know, Orwell's response to um, his education, I'm sorry, Harry, I'm I always go on about the Orwell. I've got to, I really got, to, must stop it. I must read something else. But something like, <laughs> you know, such, such were the joys that he had to kind of leave until for a sort of posthumous um, publishing because the, the people that were involved in that were still alive. And it was clearly based on, you know, a very, very difficult school life, mm. a very difficult school experience that he had as well. And you think of all, you really are hard pressed, aren't you, to think of a, as you said, a positive, Um, kind of role model or you know figure within literature or even films like you said
1: Um, Well, exactly. I mean even if you think of something like Harry Potter which is uh, obviously set in a school even in that when you think of all the teachers I mean yeah okay Dumbledore is a bit of a bit of a legend but Mm. even he's not exactly a classroom teacher and all the other teachers in it even the ones that are portrayed sympathetically kind of as teachers they're a bit humdrum Uh, Actually, they're they're nice as individuals and they're kind of heroes for other reasons. But actually in the classroom, a lot of Harry Potter is Harry and and Ron and and them all sort of dropping off asleep or saying how boring it is uh, and how little how sort of uninspiring the whole thing is. Um, So even there where you might hope to find some role model teachers, you're, you're kind of hard, hard pressed for it.
0: Absolutely are. And you think you're clutching at straws with things like Dead Poets Society um, or Coach Carter, if you want to give a more sort of low, let's hesitate to say lowbrow reference there. But, you know, that's yeah. a play the one of the few positive examples yeah. that you can find that maybe trotted out in the old assembly now and yeah, again. Yeah
1: exactly. Or, or I mean there's something like School of Rock I suppose um the film the, mm. the, the Jack Black but but there I mean the Jack Black character in School of Rock he's a bit well, of a he's, maverick. He's
0: sticking it to the man isn't he? So he's not exactly um,
1: a role modeling that. Exactly. Sense. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. brilliant.
0: So in terms of, and then you kind of tie that into modern literature, and you've you've kind of talked about how we can break free from those perceptions and those shackles of the past. So how how do you feel that's now happening, perhaps in modern literature or maybe in society?
1: Well, I'm not sure we're there yet, actually. uh, I mean, it's something, and it's it's a bit of chicken and egg here, really, whether actually we need society's image, uh, sort of perception of teaching to change and the literature will follow, or whether actually we need some kind of groundbreaking novel uh, which has a sort of teacher at its heart um, to start that shift, to start the process of shifting uh, the image of teaching, because you can't help think that that kind of the, ni- the sort of twentieth, twenty first century attitudes towards teaching are, to some extent, have been influenced by Dickens and by kind of the, the shadow of Dickens and, and authors of that time. So perhaps part of the solution to teaching's image problem now is for an equivalent author, one of the modern greats, to do the same for teaching, but uh, the reverse, to actually start to project a more positive image of 21st century teaching uh, as it is now, and as we as, as teachers all know it and, and love it.
0: Great stuff. And that's very much what you do within the book, uh, certainly you we know, in the later chapters, which obviously we're going to come to. Now, another thorny issue, Harry, here, is in terms of pay mm. for teachers. Yeah. Um, and this is a bit of a kind of a... A deliberately provocative question but one that you kind of pose in the book and you know is it realistic for a teacher to expect to accumulate great wealth and bonuses and if not which I think we know the answer um you know can t- how can teaching appeal to highly qualified graduates
1: yeah well I mean yeah firstly then clearly you're not going to become a millionaire overnight becoming a teacher um but that said I mean there aren't that many jobs where you are frankly and i suppose one of the things actually we say at the start of the chapter we talk about teachers pay is that actually now the kind of the entry-level uh pay so for, for teachers starting out are pretty comparable to a lot of other graduate level jobs so actually, a lot of work has been done at the lower end of the pay scale to to make teaching uh, to make sure it's on a par with other with other professions of uh, yeah comparable professions. so actually entering the profession it's the picture's pretty good now it's pretty good and of course uh, you can't forget the holidays as well um, and that is something that they're they're, they're they're curious aren't they holidays with teaching because they're something teachers get a lot of slack for but but actually uh, they should we should be saying you want to teach you want a job where you can see your family. Uh, a lot more than you can in other jobs if you want a job where uh you've you've got uh, a nice chunk of time in the summer good time over christmas uh become a teacher so i mean that that is there alongside um the the salary and of course the the public sector pension as well which which isn't bad I think the work with with pay uh has got to be kind of um, a bit up the pay scale where it does start to stagnate um and i think that that is going to be an issue but that said equally uh, obviously if you go into s l t um the pay for head teachers isn't bad, um, and actually, for for people who are motivated by by money, there is that potential there to to earn well higher up, um, as I say, on the on the upper pay scale. Um, and for those who do want to, to earn those sort of salaries, that that opportunity is there. I suppose the other point we we make in the book really is that it shouldn't all be driven by pay, and that clearly is pay pays an indicator of how much society values something, and therefore. Uh, Clearly, more money should be put into teaching if we want it to be valued more. However, that said, at the same time, we should be building a profession that isn't simply valued because of the monetary value that society attaches to it. Actually, we should be presenting a profession, a career uh, option to, to society, which is valued for its own sake, for its role in uh, educating young minds in building up society. I mean, society is built by the education it g- gives to its children, kind of most obvious statement of the day. Um, our role within that as teachers needs to be recognised. The profession, it, it's, in, its sort of integral nature in society uh, needs to be respected for what it is, kind of regardless of, of any monetary value. Um, so I suppose, yes, pay is an issue, uh, undoubtedly. And that's clearly, as you say, it's one of the the, the, the most sort of thorny issues that people always turn to. But it's not all just about pay, I think, is the, is the point we're trying to make.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because obviously the book is extremely well-researched in terms of, you know, the people you've spoken to, the work that you've done behind the scenes to find out this information. And there's a couple of bits to kind of pick up there. One is in terms of, you know, we almost have to apologise for the holidays, don't we? And I find myself saying that because, I mean, I've said this on the podcast many times before. I'm not from a family of teachers. I don't know any teachers. You Mm. know, everyone I speak to says, oh, my mum's a teacher or my uncle's a teacher. or something." I haven't got any teachers. And that's not a bad thing, but obviously I find myself at holiday times often apologising. Say oh off again, but i think well. That's part and parcel of you know the the work that we do. And the second thing is just because it's a public service service doesn't mean that we should be giving that for lesser costs. Because like you say, you know society attributes the the benefits of that. It's really important that they kind of recognise that we're not just doing this as an altruistic thing to help society. It it is perfectly okay for it to be a career uh, as well. And I love what you did, Harry, as well in terms of looking at you know how. And people will say there's pros and cons of this, but how, you know, academization and things like that have opened up opportunities for cross-school working, SLT roles, trust work, you know, research schools, teaching schools. There's lots of career opportunities and paths that don't necessarily end, you know, at the end of the, the kind of the SLT within school. So it's a really, really interesting chapter.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, there's there is a lot there's a lot to be said about pay. And I think um, it, it's one of the things that gets understandably gets people most worked up, actually. Uh, and if there's a conversation to be had, and it starts with pay, then great, because this conversation needs to be had. And as I say, if pay is the thing that starts it, uh, happy days, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So another thing that, um, teaching both benefits and suffers from is the fact that everybody has an experience of it. So, Mm. you know, I've worked in, I've only worked in two fields, um, in my career. So I worked in football first as I go on about every week. And then I worked in education. Now, obviously, everyone hasn't had an experience of football necessarily, but my word, a lot of people have an opinion about it and can do it better than those that are professionally qualified to deliver it. Uh, never mentions his own air license. But, the, but you know, even worse for teaching in the sense that everybody has an experience of being in a classroom at some stage. So talk to us a little bit as you're doing that chapter about how you feel teachers both, as you said, suffers from and benefits from that fact that everyone has an experience associated with it.
1: Yeah, and I think I think it is it is a real problem. It, it's a challenge for us as teachers. Actually, that that everyone, as you say, everyone's been to school. I mean, well, the vast majority of people have been to school. So they have sat in a classroom and they have uh, watched a teacher doing their thing, and they therefore think they know what teaching is. They think uh, they've got it sussed. And they think, why would I go back to to that? I've kind of seen teaching. I want to do something new. I want to move on uh, to to kind of the wider world. Um, and one of the things, therefore, that we need to do as teachers is kind of emphasise that what you see at the front of the classroom is kind of a, a fraction, of, albeit a, a very important fraction, but a fraction of what the job entails. Um, and that actually teaching is a much much richer. Uh, sort of deeper, more complex profession uh, than you get, than the impression you get uh, as a child sitting in the classroom. The child's experiences of, of school is, of course, completely different from the, from the teacher's experience of school, but a lot of people don't consciously kind of make that connection. Uh, they, yeah, th- that, that link isn't made. The other thing, of course, is that a lot of people's impression of school. Uh, was formed at a time when schools were vastly different to how they are now Um, and that is a big point we we make in the book that um, a lot of kind of opinion makers uh, books and those who who drive the media drive kind of the the narratives that we hear on a daily basis about education went to school in the, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s Uh, when schools are different, they they were just, I mean, there's no way around that, they were just different to how they are uh, by and large now. The profession has moved on kind of massively uh, since the previous century. We are in 21st century teaching, um, but the perception of it hasn't caught up. And therefore, I suppose one of the hopes that we have really is that as kind of we have a new cohort of people coming through uh, into those positions of authority and influence in society who have been educated in 21st century schools that will itself naturally start to shift uh, people's perceptions and shift kind of gradually societal attitudes towards teaching. But again, one of the things we say in the book is we don't want to wait that long. We don't want to wait another 50 years uh, for the image of teaching sort of to gradually shift into the modern century. Uh, It needs to be sooner than that. um, And therefore, we need that is why we need to have this conversation.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I mean, in terms of what you said about decision makers, and you know, I'm going to be one in one of those older thresholds, aren't I? O- o- upper echelons of, uh, you know, I went to school in the eighties, so mm. therefore, school is, you know, quite considerably different from that. But I tell you what, Harriet, school's very different from the early two thousands, and mm. I've mentioned this a few times. I'm sure that you probably aren't familiar with this, but there was a a teaching program on Channel Four called Teachers at the turn of the millennium, which you know was when I started teaching, depicts a very, very different classroom situation Mm. you know compared to what we have now so i guess from that obviously you're going to be a decision maker within education it's probably quite useful to one be quite close to the current experience but maybe still to be working within it and that kind of speaks to what you said before about these career paths that people who are working with education still have that voice to kind of influence the profession as well rather than it being a profession that you have to move out of Mm. before you can have any influence over decision making
1: Yeah, definitely. No, no, completely agree with that. And I think again, getting the voice of the teacher heard more in society uh, is uh, is a definite way forward. With that, getting the voice of front sort of rank and file teachers who are in the classroom, uh, getting those voices heard. Uh, not just about education as well actually but recognizing that the teachers have got a lot of experience about a lot of things and have got a lot to, lot to contribute to society again there's this slight uh, sort of image of teaching that uh that teachers are all sort of no hopers and they've gone into teaching because they can't do anything else and that is such a dated uh, and obviously demeaning um view of the profession but nonetheless it clings on um and one of the ways to counteract that, I think, is to get more teachers out there. And that is why I actually feel I think podcasts like this are great, are, are so good, so important for the profession, because what they are doing is they are they are allowing teachers to speak. Now, clearly, what we need to do as well is kind of break out from just talking among ourselves as teachers. But this is such an important first step that it kind of empowers the profession to speak Um, to speak more loudly to to, to a wider society. So I think kind of edu-Twitter as well is a a great development in that sense. It shows uh, to the wider world what teachers are like, what modern 21st century teaching is actually about. Um, So kind of all power to you, really, I think, Phil, and the, the more of this sort of stuff that goes on, the better. Well,
0: thank you, yeah, and you're absolutely right in terms of just this podcast. I mean that this was I mean it's got the subtitle of talking to teachers and that's what we very much try to do um, because I'm conscious that even at the level I'm working, you know I, I don't spend enough time in a classroom. you know so it's all right, you know, being a senior leader in school and that's one thing and there's lots of benefits to that in terms of what sort of things that I can help with. but you know grassroots teachers if I can use that expression in the classroom, you know, is that's where, you know, we need to hear the voices and that's why we do this. An interesting aside to that, Harry, is about Edu Twitter because sometimes I feel as if, you know, I understand what kind of things are going on in education, but then I speak to, to teachers within my own school. And for example, they might be unaware. Well, one, they're probably largely unaware that I do a podcast, which is kind of good in a way, but they're also <laughs> probably un- largely unaware of Edu Twitter. I've had conversations. Mm. This is only anecdotal stuff. It's not well-researched like your book, but you know, new teachers coming into the profession, you mentioned, oh, this person, that person, Edu Twitter. Do you feel as if, you know, it is a certain group of people or do you feel as if it's, you know, evolving in terms of a community of educators on there?
1: Well it's interesting. I mean yeah it's certainly it isn't everyone and to be honest actually I I'm, I'm only a relatively recent addition myself. I observed it sort of from afar for a while and uh, I've only re- relatively recently taken the plunge myself. And um, and I don't think it certainly it shouldn't be compulsory. I mean I don't think everyone should feel obliged to join EduTwitter. twitter but um uh, but it is it is it is growing I think and what is I think powerful about it is not not just that it's kind of getting teachers' voices heard, which as I said before, is really important, but actually it's it's also contributing to improving the profession. You see ideas being shared uh, not only resources, but actually, sort of thoughts about how to teach and about how to approach certain things, um, which which are enriching schools, and you kind of see the results in real time on Twitter with people saying, "I tried this out," or "We're uh, applying this whole school approach in uh, whatever area, and it's really made a massive difference." And it came from Twitter, so it's another tool, really, in the profession's arsenal, in the modern professional's arsenal, to to to, to make teaching a better profession as well. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you
0: do quite a lot of writing, as you said, you know, for various different publications as well as writing the book. And that, you know, if Twitter is nothing else than giving you a professional signpost, gravitate towards certain books I'd be interested in. And particularly this one, like I said, I found it really interesting you know, interesting and refreshing and speaks to that kind of idea of positivity, which yeah. we're going to certainly focus on the second half of uh, on this podcast, because I feel as if have we've done the uh, the issues, haven't we? So one one more issue, Harry, if we can. Yeah, yeah. So obviously there's quite a lot of bad headlines about teachers. I don't mm-hmm. want to stereotype which publications they may come from. <laughs> Nailers, Natter, just talking to teachers. but. You know, when we have these bad headlines, you know, why do you think that they have such a a low opinion of teaching? Alongside what you've talked about already, Mm. and you know, you could argue, and people have said that to me as well, that perhaps things that institutions like the DFE don't always have such respect for teachers. And I'll give you this is not my opinion again. I'll give you an anecdotal example from last week. So we saw that the masks, and I'm not talking about masks, but we saw that the masks had been you know, asked not to be worn in classrooms, but that was announced on a Wednesday lunchtime and was to be, you know, to be put in place by a Thursday morning. Yet retail was allowed a week to make the adjustments to that. So again, it's just kind of potentially that lack of respect for teaching. So why do you think there are so many bad headlines about teaching?
1: Well, yeah, it's difficult. And, and what we do in the book is actually we, we kind of identify four main variants for different s- sorts of headlines that come up about teaching. I won't go through them all now, but but they are, as you say, all pretty much exclusively negative. Um, so it's the sorts about like you, you get the sort of uh, teachers always complaining line or uh, behaviour at schools Uh, has never been worse than it is now, line. Uh, All those sorts of tropes that you see coming up again and again and again in various iterations. um, And you very rarely see something positive about education. Occasionally, sort of results daytime in August, you hear the sort of feel-good stories about uh, pupil X who who battled against adversity to get three A-stars or whatever, um, which is great. But that tends to be it. There's a little window in the summer when, to be honest, there's not much else news, when uh, not much other news. Uh, Apart from that, it's negative. And I suppose it's partly because that is just a function of the media. Um, It's just a function of of how the media works, uh, not just in education, in other fields as well. Uh, They search out negative stories because it gets more clicks, it gets more eyes on their their papers or whatever. Um, But teaching suffers and continues to suffer uh, as a result of it. Um, And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but I think the media could have a big role to play in uh, in sort of helping to improve the image of teaching um, as uh, it, it, as we go through the century, and and I think one of the things about um, uh, the media r- really, Phil, is that it, a lot of the people again, kind of in the media themselves, have no association with schools. Um, they they haven't been teachers themselves. Obviously, they went to school, but that is it. And the number of people who um, who are, as I say, who are sort of in, in, to some degree linked with modern education is very very small on editorial boards um, the, among the big writers it's very small so they are happy to go along with these uh, these old uh, images of teaching uh, sort of and leave them unchallenged because they don't they don't know any better um, and again we need to do better as a profession, as sort of getting into those uh, places to help shape what the media are saying about the profession
0: Definitely. Okay. Let's get to the positives. Yes. So, you know, a, a, another big question for you, anyway, and one that you tackle within one of the chapters. So, mm. you know, taking into account all the benefits about teaching, where can teaching take you?
1: Well, uh, yeah, great question. And again, this is something where a lot of people think uh, they just don't know. So, I suppose the the options within teaching are are massive, really. In in that you can obviously you can go down the pastoral side, and you become a real specialist in. Uh, all things pastoral or if you want to go down the academic side there's teaching learning there's reams that can be read uh, about teaching learning about uh, curriculum design uh, there's special educational needs which as as teachers we all uh, kind of value our, our TAs and the SEN team more than anyone I think in the school uh, that requires huge specialism huge ex levels of expertise um, and all of these areas which uh, require as as i say uh, experience but but a high level of skill, and that is something that we need to trumpet more about teaching. That that teaching is really, really skilled. And again, that links back to something I, I wanted to say actually, Phil. That what kind of the reason we've written the book now. Um, is because we think that now is the moment to try and affect the change that we're calling for. Because lots of parents during those lockdowns came up close and personal with teaching, with education in a way that um, they, they haven't before or they haven't since they were themselves at school. And they realised that actually, blimey, this teaching business uh, is quite hard. Um, and that is, that again, we saw a lot of that. Um, parents say, I don't know how you do it. Uh, it's really hard, this. And we need to be now capitalising on that, upon upon that perhaps slightly greater open-mindedness that has resulted from that towards teaching and start saying, yes, these are the skills that you can develop as a teacher. These are the places you can go as a teacher. Um, uh, And it's far more kind of uh, sort of skilled um, uh, than than you think. Um, And I suppose the other thing to say about where can teaching take you One of the great things about teaching is it can take you literally anywhere in the country, uh, which can't be said for lots of jobs Um, and indeed literally anywhere around the world. Um, So, yeah that's that's the big sell uh.
0: well you, you don't have to sell it to me as you know no, i mean no. even after you know you're talking to somebody now and, and obviously you're the same that after a full day uh, and a full week yep. we are you know having a discussion about teaching and learning <laughs> on, on a friday night aren't we you yes, know exactly. for everybody else's benefit. so yeah you absolutely don't have to do that to me but in terms of you know, we've talked a lot about the, the kind of historical uh, idea of teaching, but you're very much at the chalk face, if I can use that expression, in uh, 2022. So what is the positive reality for you of what it is actually like to be a teacher at the moment?
1: Well, the positive reality for me is that, as I see it now, is there there has never been a more exciting time in many ways to become a teacher. Now, there are, there are a lot of people who will kind of hear that and scoff, but actually, I think there's, there's a lot going for sort of education sort of in the broadest sense at the moment. Work has been done on kind of cognitive psychology, on neuroscience, these sorts of developments uh, into how we learn, into the science of the brain that we just haven't had before. Um, and while I'm sure that obviously there'll be developments, there'll be um, things that we are now that we now think are right will uh, in future years turn out to 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 be wrong or not quite as, as as we think. But nonetheless, it's an exciting time to be entering a profession that that is that revolves around uh, the brain and around how to teach and how to learn. Um, and all of those sort of tools are at our, at, at our fingertips as educators in a way that they haven't been to our predecessors in the profession um, and just the, the the books that that are coming out on a, a, a weekly basis about teaching about good practice and about as I say cognitive psychology, neuroscience uh, make it a, a, an empowering time to be to be becoming a teacher um, and that that for me kind of sums up. Uh, 21st century modern teaching the the kind of the excitement that that the power we have to shape young minds is greater than perhaps it has ever been um uh, and it's vital that we kind of use use that uh, power in in the most positive beneficial way that we can
0: I think it's a really great point. Um, and I've had a privilege of doing quite a few interviews with kind of leading voices in these areas. So I had a conversation Mm -hmm. with Guy Claxton about, um, his, his work on, on, you know, the the future of teaching, which is an excellent book as well. Um, if people haven't read that, and he spends a lot of that book as you do, you know, talking about cognitive science and talking about, you know, professionalizing the the, the teaching profession. And, you know, I had that conversation with Michael Young of, uh, of powerful knowledge, and one of my mm. favorite interviews that we did. And you know, I made a point with him, and he agreed, which was one of the greatest things ever, Harry. You know, it was like it was like, it was like doing well at school when Professor Michael Young says you've made a good point. But it was that that reprofessionalizing of, of teaching because you know when I started teaching, it was very much well, it doesn't really matter about the subject that you teach if you've got a certain amount of skills, um, you can kind of do anything, and you just put in front of the kitchen, you'll be fine. But that kind of reprofessionalizing is now being seen in terms of the kind of people that are coming into teaching and the kind of work that we're spending on the curriculum, on teaching and learning, that sort of thing. How do teachers balance the kind of the social aspect of teaching, which has probably always been quite an important part, and the capacity for that intellectual challenge and personal development?
1: Yeah, well, for me, I think that is again one of the things that makes teaching such a rewarding profession. In that, clearly, the kind of the social element of teaching uh, drives us all as teachers. Really, that that um, the sort of fundamental idea that we are there to 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 turn around. Well, not exactly necessarily to turn around, but to influence, to shape uh, young people's lives. Um, and that is such a powerful concept that we are setting up young people for the rest of their lives. Um, and clearly, our impact is. Often most keenly felt with uh, those children who uh, are from the most deprived backgrounds, and that's the social role of, of the teacher in that sense is is something that keeps a lot of us in the job It, it, it really is a kind of an inspiration to know that we are doing that on a daily basis <laughs> clearly we, are, we don't always do it as well as we like uh, and clearly there are there are times when when we get it wrong but but the the knowledge that we are there kind of battling for these children uh, every day it makes it is it as i'm sure you, you agree is it, it makes it a, a, a thrilling profession um but then it's not all just about kind of that social element because we're not we're not social workers um uh, that that's a that's a different career itself that kind of uh place then as you say for the kind of the academic the sort of personal fulfillment the intellectual challenge that comes with teaching uh is very important as well um, and when i was training actually i i did a bit of maths training, um, weirdly, uh, though it might seem. Um, and I was—I one of the classes I had, probably one of the hardest classes I'll ever teach, uh, was a bottom set year seven maths group. Um, and blimey, I mean, the the intellectual challenge of, of teaching them. Uh, was was phenomenal actually and i i hadn 't quite anticipated quite how how academically challenging I would find it weird though that sounds teaching teaching these kids sort of the basics of arithmetic uh, and sort of grappling with things where as adults we forget what it means not to understand so basic addition um uh, getting your head around how to teach that to a child who just can 't grasp it, it, it is yeah it's one of the most sort of intellectually challenging things I think you can do. And then, of course, at the other end, you've got A-level teaching, uh, teaching uh, teach year 13 history now, which itself uh, is <laughs> full of uh, sort of intellectual academic challenge. I mean, I have to make sure, blimey, I have to make sure that I'm on my game when I walk into my year 13 lesson, because I know if I'm not, uh, I will be found out. Um, so I suppose it's a combination then of those two things, the social element and then the academic kind of intellectual uh, challenge of teaching, for me, is what makes it, again, a, a unique profession, really, and, and such an exciting one.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if you agree. I feel as if that kind of intellectual challenge has had a resurgence in recent years with changes to, you know, um, kind of curriculum and Mm. more demand of those subjects. You know, I've, you know, even though he was a football coach first, I've always had the biology degree in the back pocket because Mm. my dad insisted that I did triple science at school and I went into university and did a biology degree Mm. because he said you might find it useful at some point. So you know i carried that round for about 15 years and you know very rarely challenged it very deeply mm. um, but in the changes to curriculum and the, and that you know the, the look that i've had in the last couple of years in terms of teaching top set groups i found myself extremely intellectually challenged mm. by some of the, the top end and and that also feeds into all of that stuff around personal development but also that social aspect because when students realize that you actually understand a lot of these concepts it doesn't half help with behavior <laughs> yeah. management and yeah. everything else you know yeah. you still have that feeling sometimes of they sit back and go oh he actually does know what he's talking about you know yeah. so yeah. but but that's really <laughs> rewarding isn't it in terms oh, of the professional you know you're not just like well, chasing kids around um on an on on-call uh, period yeah. or whatever it might be you're actually you know shaping young minds as, as our advertising campaign might say so yes. i really think that that's that stepped up a level for me yeah. in the last few years. That kind of intellectual challenge, and you know, I'm sure that you, I really do enjoy that bit, and I'm sure that you do as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and as you say, the I suppose it's uh, as you say that the the role of subject specialism and subject knowledge um, emphasised more, I suppose, in the teacher standards as well. Now um, has, has played a big role in that, and and Ofsted obviously when they when they come around are looking for that sort of subject knowledge um, sort of stuff. Uh, which, which on balance is, is probably a good thing. I think, as you say, it, it, it keeps us on our toes and it keeps, us, um, it keeps us up to date with our subjects, which as kind of enthusiasts for our subjects, obviously, particularly at the secondary level, uh, we, we should be.
0: Yeah, and you look at, uh, just to dwell on that point, and you look at mm-hmm. the number of teachers now that have been encouraged to take master's degrees, for example, yeah. um, and do further qualifications, not just as something to say, well, I've completed that, but actually for something to use in yeah. the classroom.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that that kind of continued professional development um, uh, again is something that I think we as teachers need to need to make more of. Actually, and again, it's kind of going back into this thing of teaching, and again, like you were talking about with sort of reprofessionalising uh, the profession, making it, making it clear that like other professions, we are constantly training, we are constantly learning. We aren't just kind of uh, thrown into the classroom and there you go. Um, We're constantly improving like doctors do, like lawyers do. We're updating our knowledge. We're deepening our understanding of whatever it is that particularly interests us or whatever we feel we need to deepen our our knowledge in. Um, And and one of the things, therefore, we call for in the book, really, is is greater time for teachers to be able to do that Um, and perhaps to be written into teachers' contracts that they should have a certain number of certificated days of CPD uh, every year. Um, not only to, to kind of allow us to do that, but also to say to the wider world, uh, this is this is teaching. This is twenty first century teaching. We are skilled individuals, and we don't just kind of rest on our laurels. We are constantly seeking improvement as well.
0: Yeah, and I mean you mentioned medicine as a comparison, and obviously yeah. that's one of the uh, professions that that is widely respected and um, for yeah. obviously important reasons, but you look at the evidence and research based movement, and you've done a lot of research in this book. That's also kind of feeding into, you know, the excitement that, that graduates should have of moving into a profession where we are quite research based and evidence led. And, you know, we are in, you say you, you talk a lot about the 21st century classroom. Well, we're moving towards what we think is most likely to work. And you do see, as you said about Twitter, people reading books, people taking courses, research ed as a movement, you know, having teachers coming out at the weekends and wanting to listen to people talking about teaching, which would have been, you know, and I know people always look back and, and say, well, we've never liked that in my day, but it would just not have been possible in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. You know, we couldn't wait to get out to the pub lunch on a Friday, <laughs> let alone go, you know, for on a Saturday to yeah. a conference. So <laughs> that's an exciting thing, isn't it, for any entrant to a profession where, you know, people want to pay for high-quality professional development on their days off. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's what, if we want to be treated like a profession, which, as we both say, we do, we need to act like a, like a profession. And we increasingly are. Um, uh, and, yeah, it, it's get, again, it's about getting that message out there so that the wider world knows that this is what is going on in 21st century teaching. Because at the moment, they just don't. No,
0: agreed. So in terms of this new image that you argue for in the book, mm. um, how can we go about presenting that new image? And what do you think that new image should look like?
1: Well, I mean, partly I think it's about, as I, as I've said, kind of exposing the reality of what is actually going on in in modern twenty first century schools. I, I think we have got uh, a great message to sell. Now, I know I know there's kind of things that could be improved about education. I know not every school is perfect, uh, and I'm not <laughs> clearly we don't say that anywhere in the book. But that said, there is a lot that I think as as teachers we can be proud of about what is going on in in our schools at the moment and i think part of the thing we should do actually is open our schools up more to society um and obviously that's been difficult in the last couple of years because we ourselves have been barely able to get into them but as covid recedes um i think we should we should do a better job at getting for example local businesses into schools more um and I I don't know about your experience, Phil, but my experience of getting people into schools, they come in and they go, wow, either, wow, school wasn't like this in my day, or they go, wow, I had no idea you were doing this. Um, And that's such a powerful thing. And again, I mean, there are loads of TV programmes Uh, like this where there was that one I can't forget what it was called the secret teacher or something um, or when they sent people in disguised as TAs into into schools uh, and they would come out with their uh, eyes well and truly opened to kind of the work that teachers are doing Um, and I think we need to be doing more of that actually because I think as I say we've got a good product as it were to sell we need to do a better job of selling it.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of product in a seamless link to the book now. <laughs> so uh, last question, if we may, Harry, uh, yeah. at this point is you're going to have a book launch aren't you. So the book is already out, but your book launch is on Monday. So hopefully, listener, as you're getting this, this will be Checks watch Saturday, the 29th, it will be, <laughs> it'll be out on Saturday, 29th. So you've got opportunity to sign up for that. Now I've signed up for that on Monday, cause I'm very much looking forward to you kind of in depth discussing that. So can you just point listeners to where that's happening, where they can get involved in that and a little bit more about kind of, you know, where they can find out more about you as well
1: yeah so i'm the the uh, there's a sign up for that that's um on eventbrite uh, it's been chaired it's a roundtable discussion about uh, as you say, about the image of teaching about where we go from here it's been chaired by uh, sir Anthony seldon who's obviously uh, got a lot to say about about these sorts of things and then we've got um, alice thompson economist uh, from the times uh, coming on as well uh, rebecca boomer clark as well from uh, aet uh, and then we've got, again, some um, teachers from, to use that phrase again, the, the chalk face. So hopefully it's going to be a really uh, sort of good discussion about future teaching. I'm, uh, I've got a link for that uh, on my Twitter uh, feed. So I'm at Harry Hudson uh, 21 um, on Twitter. Uh, and then i don't know uh, phil if you can uh, retweet that as well um or include the the link on on the on the notes for this that would be that would be great as well uh, and then the book is um the book's available on amazon uh, at waterstones at blackwells <laughs> I'll leave it up to, to you which of those you choose um Uh, And uh, at the launch, I should say, on Monday as well, I think the publishers are offering a a discount, I think 40% 40 discount, I think, um, for for people who attend the the launch on Monday as well. So yeah, uh, available at all good books, I think is is the phrase. Absolutely, it is the phrase, yeah. So um,
0: just to say thank you, Harry, really appreciate your time. And I mean, you know, obviously I read a lot of books Mm. and I speak to a lot of people and people will probably say, well, you always say how much you enjoy the books, but, you know, I was refreshed by this one. I really was. And, you know, to see you know, someone so passionate about teaching, so knowledgeable about teaching and to present a really positive case. It's why we do what we do in terms of the podcast, because I've always said, Harry, and you know, people will probably get sick of me saying this, that quite often I come home at the end of the day and say, well, I've got a podcast that's coming up tonight. And I feel like, well, I've done nothing but talk all day. It is the last thing that I want to do is talk again to, you know, to another teacher about something else. But, the passion, the enthusiasm, the knowledge, you know, I felt from reading that book that I wanted to kind of start again. You know, I couldn't wait to get back into the classroom and actually do that. And I read it right away through and I've gone back and read sections of it as well. So I can't recommend it highly enough to the listener or to the viewer, you know, because obviously we might be on multiple media here so we will certainly put links to it um on our twitter which we've been doing all week already we'll put links on the show notes as well and hopefully we can get this podcast out just in time for people to attend uh, the roundtable discussion as well so really appreciate your time tonight harry on a friday thank you very much
1: well thank you phil thanks so much for having me Nellersnatter, just talking to teachers.
0: Talking to teachers about academic research and evidence-based practice with continuing professional development at PNA1977 on Twitter.
1: Netter, just talking to teachers.